You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D.A. Cliff. It's uh, 20 shows earlier than last year, than we did last year, but still, welcome to season to the season five season finale. Yep, definitely not the season finale we had envisioned, but I think 2020, in a lot of respects, has featured so many things that we have simply just not been able to envision, but... As we say all the time, it is what it is, so we'll just make the most of it. And, uh, I mean, it's still exciting at the end of the day. We we managed to get five seasons worth of this podcast, and God willing, we'll have at least another five. So that's that's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Plans we weren't able to do in 2020, we hope to do in 2021 or in 2022. You know, you know just hopefully with whatever comes of fans and the seats and stuff like that. And and But, you know, so much to talk about. Um, we're happy to have, and we'll play this a little bit later, our interview with uh, Alouette's president, Mario Ciccini. He was nice enough to join us on the pod and talk about the team and then what they're looking for uh, in 2021 and, and beyond. Um, I felt it was very eye-opening. It was, it was nice to speak with him officially for the very first time. Definitely. We, we, we were actually introduced to him this year. Yep. Uh, Back in January, when the uh, the Alouettes had the press conference announcing uh, Mario as the new president and Danny Machocha as the general manager of the Alouettes, uh, but we didn't, re- and we were hoping to get a chance. In a perfect world, we would have already spoken to him at least once regarding the Alouettes and what should have been uh, an exciting, fascinating season for the uh, for the team on the field and maybe even off the field. But once again, all, all of our all the best laid plans just kind of got thrown to the wayside. But, you know, we, ha- we had a great chat with Mario this evening, and uh, I'm really excited to be able to bring that to you fans as sort of a kind of a nice way to sort of put a bow tie, if you will. Yeah. Pun totally intended on not just the Alouette season that never really got off the ground, but also to kind of finish 2020 on a positive note and going into 2021 where things will hopefully be better than they were this previous season. Let's hope. Let's hope. And obviously with the, the news recently with the, uh, with the vaccine being made available currently. And um, I know it may be a while for some of us fans to, to actually be eligible. It's weird to say to be eligible for the vaccine, but Obviously, we know that they have their plans in place. And hey, however it turns out, dude, you know, whether we wear, whether we're wearing masks and it, it's, you know, 10 percent or 15 percent at the stadium to start the season, it's it's as long as everything goes well, it, it will still be a positive. And um, as long as this 2021 20, season does actually get started. Yeah, I mean, it, as great as it has been to watch NCAA football in the States and also watching the NFL. It's been tough to not have Canadian football in the mix as well. I mean, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate really that things just didn't quite work out that way to be able to see football in some capacity in 2020 up north of the border. But I think in a lot of respects, though, it's made people sort of appreciate the league a little bit more. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever truly taken the league. Anyone who's a, a true fan of CFL football, I don't think they've necessarily taken the league for granted, but maybe there are times where you just sort of 
just expect it to be there. And then when it's not, I think absence really did make the heart grow fonder for a lot of people. And I think just based on everything that's gone on and with the news that's been happening as far as free agency signings happening earlier than expected, I think people like that that appetite for football is still there for a lot of people. And now you're you're seeing that. You're starting to hear see the Alouettes in the news. You're seeing players being reintroduced, so to speak, and getting fans excited, like, oh my gosh, yeah, we're gonna we, we, we might we might see these guys again in 2021 like that's exciting yeah, exactly and to me to me that's that's key is getting fans excited keeping the names on their lips and just getting people thinking about football even though we haven't had a, a meaningful football game since november 2019 and we won't have one well god willing until june of 2021 that's a long stretch of time to go without football and i think fans realize that realize that they've got something special here, not just in the Alouettes, but in the Canadian Football League as a whole. And now this is an opportunity to jump back in, to re, re-up, so to speak, with your fan, your CFL fandom. So, folks, be excited because, yeah, even though we, we still haven't gotten the official go-ahead yet, there's still stuff that's happening right now. Like, things are starting to fall into place. I'd say it's, it's time to get excited again about not just CFL football, but be excited again, folks, about your Montreal Alouettes. Exactly. And as per usual, when it comes to whenever it just seems whenever I'm doing a podcast, no matter what it's about, I drop a show or we drop a show and news is broken a couple of days later. That's exactly what happened in this case. Uh, for the for the earliest time ever in league history, the CFL's 2021 schedule was dropped. Uh, and uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts on on the minor changes that the league has decided to do for the 21. Obviously we don't want to talk, we're not going to talk too much about it because obviously we want to get closer to that point where it is going to occur. But what, what are your thoughts, Cliff on first that the league easily, easily could have just taken the, uh, the 2020 schedule and just recycled it, but they made a mod, they made a slight modification for 2021 where they decided to reduce travel and concentrate more on, um, uh, teams within your division uh, to save, I said not only save travel, but also uh, potential uh, COVID issues, which they want to want to stay away from. What 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 were your what were your thoughts on that? Well, to be honest with you, I when I looked at the schedule, like I saw it for what it was, and there's a little cynical part of me is like, well, it's all well and good to put out a schedule, but I mean, is this actually going to actually take place? Like, are we just getting ourselves excited for nothing? And, you know, it, it, it's kind of a crappy attitude to have, to be honest with you. But uh, when, I, when I look at the schedule, I, I, I definitely see like the, the focus is definitely more on inner division. Yes. More than anything else. And uh, rivalries, certain games that rivalries will not be, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it, I think it just means now that each game truly does become more important as you're playing more and more of your divisional foes. Every divisional game counts for sure. And also, too, I think the, the way the schedule was set up was just in the unlikely event that the teams have to go into a bubble, then this, as you say, it reduces the travel time and the, the distance that uh, teams are flying in or taking the bus or train in or anything like that. Uh, to me, I, I like the schedule in the sense that it does promote the rivalries. It does sort of help strengthen that ideal. Uh, it's going to be kind of weird to see, you know, for example, uh, the Alouettes and the Stamp- Calgary Stampeders only play once, which yeah. is interesting. And, and I think and the same Edmonton thing with too. The, Edmonton also. Yeah, the the Edmonton football team, uh, we only played them once as well. Yeah. 
even more interesting is the fact that we're essentially starting the season, both including the preseason, with the Ottawa Red Blacks playing them not once, not twice, but thrice. Yeah, the first three games, so to speak, like two preseason games and the regular season game, all against the Red Blacks. Uh, to me, that's that's kind of interesting. And I think if you're trying to develop that rivalry between the cities of Ottawa and Montreal, that's certainly one way to do it. It's uh, it's one way to sort of help uh, promote this because I don't I don't find tr- really truly that Montreal has a rivalry. It's certainly not on the lines of say like Calgary versus Edmonton or Hamilton versus Toronto. So I guess geographically, you kind of have to try and make a rivalry of uh, Montreal and Ottawa. But if that's the goal, then they're certainly on the right track in doing so with scheduling the two preseason games and your first regular season game against the same opponent. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. And and I think, you know what, considering that people need to, if they, people go back and look at the history of this of these two cities, they were always a major rival. You know, this dates, this dates back to what they used to call the Eastern Conference, the Big Four. So... Ottawa and Montreal have, do have a storied history. It's just as of late, you know, Ottawa wasn't good, Montreal was, and vice versa. But you know, but things things have happened over the years. As we as we remember, we've had upsets. So I I think it's a very interesting idea. What one thing I thought was funny though, Cliff, is that how the league is trying to uh, reduce travel costs, and then the Alouettes and BC Lions play twice this year. <laughs> I, I was like, what? <laughs> Someone doesn't make any sense here. But, you know, and as you pointed out, too, uh, with Edmonton and Calgary, you know, it's it's for the for the first time since 1979 that the Owls won't play at home versus Edmonton and at Calgary. And that that's that was before I think that was the year before or two years before the league went to the full home and home versus the Western Western uh, Western Division. So. Mm hmm. It's been a long time, but it, it'll be weird. It really will be weird. But you know what? All I can say, too, and this is my last word on it, is um, we still have Thanksgiving, baby. Yes. Yes, we do. And to me, that's what it comes down to. That, that tradition. The, uh, like, we don't have a whole lot of traditions, as we've talked about numerous times. Yeah. And that, to, to me, like being able to go on Thanksgiving Day – you do the tailgate and you know they got the deep fried turkey and all the fixings <laughs> and everything. You're yeah. watching some great football more often than not, and to, to me that it, that's what makes it so exciting. I, I I'm I'm really happy that there was just a one year pause, so to speak, on this uh, this this tradition. There's there's no other way to describe yeah. it. It really is a tradition here for in Montreal to to have a game on Thanksgiving Monday. And I'm thrilled as hell that the Alouettes, they realized how important this game is for the fans, and they've brought it back. They were they were ready to play it in 2020, and they're even just as ready, if not more ready, I'd say in this case, to play it again in 2021. And that, to me, is, I'd say, paramount. Yeah. Hey, by the way, one last thing, and we'll move on because there, there was some more news when it came to football ops. But what would you think if the league decided to continue this new tradition of reducing travel even if covid is gone in 2022 with the idea that the league is trying to get under a new financial structure trying to save money would it surprise you if the league decided to go that route through 2022 and beyond when it came to the schedule i guess not i guess uh, as this league has to sort of evolve and change and realize that 
it's not making money hand over fist the way we'd like it to. I mean, certain teams are certainly successful and certain teams are certainly not. So uh, as I've said before, the league itself really has to change their business model for the better and find a way to become sustainable for years to come. And if that means you're going to see a lot more travel, like you're not going to see flights going willy nilly. Like you play Toronto one week and then you fly out to BC the next and then you're back home and then you go to Ottawa and then you fly back out to Edmonton and back and forth like that. Like if you can find a way to, I guess, cut down on some of that travel and, and, and try to make it work a little bit more, I in order to save some money, to me, I think it's a, an avenue well worth exploring. Yeah, I would not be surprised going forward if the league reduces the travel out e- out east and out west and reduces, as I said, two western games and two eastern games for each division. I think they, I would be surprised if they eliminate them going forward. So, yeah, you know, as I said, get back to local, quote unquote, local rivalries. Mm-hmm. So, hey, there was some interesting news that came over uh, the wire and in the media when it came to the um, to the coaching staff. What, what what was that? What did the team announce? Well, they actually finalized their coaching staff for the 2021 season, uh, which meant some changes uh, were being made for any number of reasons. Uh, the biggest change, though, would be at defensive coordinator uh, Bob Slowick, who came in with no CFL experience, uh, managed to shake things up, and actually put together a very respectable group here in Montreal for 2019. Uh, he has decided to move on from the Alouettes, and uh, now that frees up the defensive coordinator position. And who has the, who has the team decided to go ahead and hire as far as uh, as the DC? Well, they had, had didn't have to look very far because they already had a new defensive backs coach in Baron Miles already set to start the 2021 season, and now he can add defensive coordinator to that title. He still keeps the defensive backs coach title, but now he's also the he oversees the entire defense as defensive coordinator, which is pretty exciting because Dar- uh, Baron Miles. A former player with the Alouettes, uh, sort of coming back home, if you will, uh, play uh, as a as a coach now for the uh, for the Alouettes. Uh, we were excited to see him be signed as defensive backs coach, but now to have him add this to his resume is very exciting. In addition to uh, uh, Baron Miles being named the defensive coordinator, we also have a new offensive line coach. Uh, as you know, the offensive line coach was. For a little bit, Marcel Belfey, who joined the team in January, but ultimately decided to head back to the University of Ottawa and become their head coach for their football team. So now this left Le Brodeur Jodin, who was the assistant offensive line coach. He now becomes the full-time offensive line coach, which is pretty exciting because after a stellar career here in Montreal, he kind of decided he wanted to give the coaching a try and coming in as an assistant coach uh, in 2019. Now this is his line. This this is his crew. Yeah. Like now he has a chance to prove what he can do as a coach. Like we we saw what kind of career he had on the field. Now I'm really excited to see what Luke can do off the field. And let's not forget too, a former guest on this show came in here and and chatted with us. And at the time, it was just before the season was I think canceled. He was talking about we had asked him about like his interest in being the full time offensive line coach and. You, you could see what's there. You could definitely tell he was definitely interested and intrigued by the possibility, but he didn't want to say too much at the time. Maybe he already knew that this was kind of becoming his way. Right. I, I guess we'll never really know, but uh, now this is his opportunity, and I definitely think Luke is going to make the most of it. Yeah, if anybody wants to hear that interview, by the way, it was episode 118 
or season five, episode 10. You can go back and listen to that full interview there. Um, I mean, did, did any of these moves surprise you? I know you and I talked about the, you know, with Baron Miles. We, we were, we talked about that. We were, we, we threw a couple of names out there. Um, being what the, seems that the league is doing when it comes to doubling up on what coaches are doing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, obviously the, the coach's salary cap. Um, did it surprise you in any way that it was Baron rather than somebody else? A little bit, if only because uh, I think sometimes when it comes to defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, in a perfect world, you'd try not to team up, like, you know, have, like have coaches wearing like two or three different hats. I, I know we're used to it, seeing it here in Montreal over the years, and I guess it shouldn't have come as a huge surprise, but uh, I'll admit there was a little part of me that thought maybe, just maybe, we should be having a defensive coordinator doing just that because we already have Kahari Jones as the offensive coordinator and head coach. That's normal that you, you tend to expect, Mm -hmm. but defense sometimes can be a bit of a different animal altogether. Uh, Just to be clear, I'm not mad that Baron miles is the defensive coordinator. I was just, like I said, just, it's an initial shock of, Oh, okay. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I guess we we were, we're just going to have to get used to seeing this league wide as far as, having coaches wearing, as I said, multiple hats, like not just doing one position and doing it very well. You almost have to multitask a little bit. And I guess, you know, that's just par for the course here in Montreal. So now Barron's got a chance to prove what he can do, not just as defensive coordinator, but as defensive backs coach. Luke has a chance to show what he can do on the offensive line. And you still got all these other pieces in place, which is great. And to tell you the truth, like this coaching staff is very impressive and I'm, Again, even more excited than ever to see what what the final product will be like when these guys finally get out on the field with players in front of them. I'm I'm really excited to see how that's going to turn out. Oh, I know. And hearing it just you know just recent episodes that we had, you know what Vernon was talking about and what Matt Schiltz was talking about. It's you can tell they want to play. They want to they want to be able to to continue what 2020 was supposed to be. But obviously they're going to have to wait a year. But so much. So much is happening, and we're going to be talking about that after the interview uh, when it comes to free agency, and I think both you and I were a little shocked when we saw the the, the actual names that were on the Alouettes free agency list. We're like, oh, crap. <laughs> but that's 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 for the next segment. But um, you know what? Baron Miles has his history here. I, I'm, I'm, I have no issue with it, and uh, uh, when it comes to coaches, it's, it's, it's the new thing, so it's... I, I'm you know I'm not I'm not unhappy I'm not unhappy with our coaching staff I, I I love it pretty much actually so no I think uh, as far as the talent that we have on the roster so far and just knowing who's going to be like in place like we saw what Kahari Jones was able to do in 2019 we saw what how he was able to motivate the players and get them on board and believing in his message and I, I think a lot of that ties into, too, with the, the coaching staff that was in place last year. And for the most part, it's still the same coaching staff. It's just a couple of tweaks here and there. Uh, I think that the, the wild card, so to speak, will be Baron Miles. Yeah. But I think players are going to respond to him. I, I We saw the work that he did out in BC. Like he, he knows how to coach. He knows how to get the most out of his players. And I have all the confidence in the world that he'll be able to do the exact same thing here in Montreal. And really, truly, like just... Now that he's got this sort of additional pressure to be the DC as well as the defensive backs coach, I think that's just going to make him a little bit stronger. And I think I think you're just going to see what kind of work he's going to put in as far as uh, being a coach goes. And I think the results are going to speak for themselves. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, as we as we teased at the beginning of the of the episode, we were honored to be speaking with the Alowitz president, Mario Ciccini. Um We'll get to the interview right now, and uh, when we return, uh, man, there's a lot of free agency to talk about. We'll be right back. <laughs> What a year we didn't have in 2020, but we want to speak to the gentleman who is, I'm sure, very hard at work in getting uh, the team back on the field and trying to get us ready for the 2021 season. With us now is the president of the Montreal Alouettes, Mario Ticini. Hey, Mario, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, uh, first question I wanted to ask you was, um, I'm sure when you uh, were first announced as the president back in um, January of 2020, uh, this isn't the season that you really expected to have, was it? <laughs> well, to say the least, it certainly was not. I mean, uh, going back to January, it was such a, a, a fun day, you know, when we were appointed. And I was particularly happy because the fans were so happy mm-hmm. that Danny was on board. Danny Machocha, our GM, of course. And just a week after uh, Gary had bought the team, you know, so and he had promised to deliver... Uh, you know, a president and a GM uh, within seven days. So I was happy to, to to be able to get Danny on board, if I remember correctly. Uh, it feels like 10 years ago now, but like we signed a contract, <laughs> I believe, on the Friday after I signed mine on the Wednesday. So everything turned out so perfectly. And then, you know, uh, first few weeks, uh, we got excitement and uh, ticket sales are on the rise. Uh, uh, even our friend uh, Giverny Tardif, who was at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so every everybody in Quebec was talking football, and we were signing uh, Quebec base players. We're signing good, good, good free agents, and and then COVID hit, so it really brought it to a halt. You know, we had we had hopes until, as you guys know, I mean, the league worked hard until July and August, and then we had to uh, to call it you know call it a game All right. and uh, it was extremely frustrating extremely disappointing that we we couldn't find a way but you know that that's the way it, it did and right up the next day uh, august 18 after we announced we were danny and i everybody had our heads down with his scouting team and coaches and kahari and we're looking ahead to 2021 yeah. so that's the only way to look at it you know be be uh, be uh, looking out to the future for sure and and one thing i wanted to ask you because i didn't get to ask you this at the time uh, of your press conference what uh mario what enticed you specifically to come to the alouettes to be our president well this it's uh that's a good question because i was in broadcast as you may know for all of my career but in 2010 it's uh, one of the best gentleman I ever knew in my life and was a mentor to me was Jacques Menard. Mm-hmm. You may know Jacques, the yes. former, uh, unfortunately passed away. It's just so it's an incredible story because Jacques passed away on my second day on the Alouette. So he had time to see me there. But in 2010, when Larry left, um, he, uh, he called me up. He was on the board of the Alouette and I met with Mr. Wittenhall. And at that time, it just, you know, it was, Many things that was going on, and it and it, it it didn't work out, but it stayed in my mind because I'm a I'm I'm you know I'm a huge fan first mm-hmm. of all of the game, so that's where my love of the game starts. I've always followed the Alouettes. I've always always been there, and then to have the chance, you know, to to you know to preside over a, a team. I mean, a, a landmark in Montreal. So I was like. 
It didn't work out then, but it always stayed in the back of my mind. So when 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 the opportunity came along and my name was uh, pushed, you know, mentioned around, people were calling me with the other groups that were that were uh, you know wanting to buy the team in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and then that sort of you know went away, and then we didn't hear anything for like a few months, and then boom. Gary buys, and then boom, Gary calls me on the Sunday night, and by Tuesday it was done. So it was, uh, it's, 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 you know, I, I'm, I don't hesitate to call it a dream in the sense that I had the chance to, uh, to be the president of broadcast groups in Quebec, broadcast groups in Canada, uh, with Chorus, and then, and then to have a chance to go into sports, uh, you know, be on the other side uh, of the table and uh, be able to to take a team that needs a lot of TLC uh, that had, you know, economic challenges and turn this around and uh, do, to do it with Danny and a, a passionate owner like uh, Gary. I mean, and a great team that I, that I discovered that, uh, you know, kept most of the, uh, all the managers that were there are working with me now. And mm-hmm. we have a common goal, you know, to make it the best. So, uh, so that's, uh, to me, it's like, it's, um, it, it, it was lit, lit, literally something I wanted to do in my life for the past, uh, and that and Jacques brought that to me. He made me believe that I could do it, so I'm very glad that I'm here today. I also wanted to ask you because obviously you're coming from broadcasting, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that you've been ahead of a of a pro sports franchise. What what yeah. do you do to get ready to be the president of a sports franchise versus? working in media uh, for, for most of your life? That's a good question. Uh, listen, not, not really. It's, you know, it's a business, first of all. Yeah. What, what I, but to, to bluntly answer your question, what I did is a lot of reading, a lot of talking, a lot of consulting, a lot of observation mm-hmm. uh, with people I trust, people I know, people who were in the game. Uh, but other than that, you look at it from a business point of view, a lot of it is the same principles. You know, when you're in broadcast, you focus on ratings. Right. So, therefore, your announcer or your music or the kind of show that you do, if you're a talk show or a radio station with sports, you focus on the content, you focus on the animators because they're the content. They're the people come to listen to them. Yeah. So, that's where you put your energy first. Same thing with the field. When I got there, first thing, I, I there was a little bit, I mean, I think it's known, you guys know, it was not. You know, the, the, the administration part of the Alouette is downtown. Uh, the football ops is at the stadium. The president was, was uh, not in the same place as the football operation. Right. It's not ideal. It, it's not ideal at all. So these are the first things that we fixed, uh, got together. And so to me, that's whether, you're, whether it's a radio TV station or it's a football team, the principle of getting together, sharing a common goal, not be divided, but be united towards the objectives is, is the first principle. Uh, if you remember at the press conference, that's what I said. One of our first goals is to be united. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should not have said that because since then we're all at home. We cannot be more <laughs> separated because of COVID. But, but it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, 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 see, we had to build a new culture and a new way of thinking through literally a computer screen now. Uh, for nine months and most likely 10 and 11 months is right. the way things are going now. So, so yeah, so it, it is. Um, but to me, that's, that's the way I really look at it, you know, set the product mm-hmm. and make, make the fans slash the listener when you're in broadcast happy. 
uh, it starts there. The rest will flow out of that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's really how I I uh, I sort of look at it. Um, as everybody knows, obviously, as you mentioned before, there there were some some budgetary and some monetary issues that may have arise uh, arose in the past seasons. Um, when you came in, how? How, if you can tell us, how dire was the Alouettes franchise? Was it as bad as people said, or was it just, or was it just uh, information that people didn't? Know? Was it an exaggeration in the media? Well, uh, I can tell you uh, because Gary said it publicly right. uh, that it was not necessarily exaggerated. There were some very, very tough years. The last one was basically a ten million dollar loss. Uh, which is an important loss uh, for a football team in the CFL. So, uh, yes, it was a tough situation, uh, still is, of course, in the sense that now after, uh, after the team was purchased, we turn around and there's, that, and there's, there's, there's no revenue. Right. I mean, there's literally our, our revenue is linked to our gains, so there's no uh, revenue coming in. So we have to suffer through a year that uh, it's, it's, it's pure losses. I mean, every dollar we spent right now is a loss. Right. So it is a situation that's not, uh, in, uh, you know, that's, that we need to get over with. But at the same time, I mean, get over. But uh, Gary is extremely committed to the long term. I mean, there's no, that's the huge difference with a new owner living this right now. We are committed for the long term. Um, and uh, Gary understands it. And we're doing our best to manage it. But I think our plans are going to get us to where we want. You know, with before, hopefully within two, three years, it's quite doable. We've reduced the cost base, uh, which, again, uh, unfortunately, in the past 20 years in broadcast, we had to do a lot of that. So yeah. there was nothing new to me in terms of turning around and saying, finding, you know, new structures. And, and, you know, when you have a structural problem, sometimes you need a structural solution attached to it. And that's what we try to look at. Obviously, unfortunately, uh, less people than when I came in, of course. Uh, but then it brings an agility. It brings a different way of thinking. We have now a one-team approach where the talent of different people in different departments can shine, you know, above their main duties. Mm-hmm. So they, somebody in, in marketing can, can be in social media if they have a talent to write. And so all of these things are making us one. And, um, you know, I believe that we're now set up you know, to go ahead and, and not only win the cup, but obviously win off the field also and making sure that the admin side is helping out and be part of the winning team overall. Yeah, and and for me, just, just, just to let you know, I think one of the things that I have noticed, even though that I've had some changes in my, uh, the gentleman uh, who was uh, my, my season ticket manager, um, when I had a change over, even during covid and I think this this points to how you and we're, we're leading the team, is that I've never had a team reach out to me, call me up during COVID and say, how are you? Usually when you think of season ticket managers, it's like, oh, do you need any more tickets? This, that, and the other. Completely different, Mario, than what I was expecting. So it was, you know, whether I heard it from not only from, you know, longtime season ticket holders like myself, but from ones that had just been with the team for just for a couple of years, they got a call from their season ticket manager saying, we just want to know how you're doing. How are you surviving? How are you and your family doing? Are you healthy? And then just recently, I got a, a, an email wishing me a happy holidays. I, that's, those those yeah. are the things that mean the most to me as a season ticket holder and as a fan because, again, I think it points to leadership 
where you're looking at things differently, where it's not always about, it, it, yes, it's about the butts and the seats that I get, but it's also about the relationship that your team is making with your fans and hopefully with future fans. Well, you're very, very kind to mention that because it is something that when you start talking this way to people, you know, it's always a, well, how, where will we find the time? And right. we don't have this, we don't have that, but, but they do. And you know what, those who make those calls and when I write those, those emails, sometimes it's from me, sometimes it's from Brian, mm-hmm. our head of ticketing, but, but it is, first of all, I write it myself. Uh, what, what you get from me, signed by me, is written by me. So it's personal. So I encourage Brian. I say it's not a marketing person trying to craft a message. Right. Uh, so we brought all that really back to personalize. You know, uh, it's personal for us. And the passion, if you were sitting in my seat, you would feel the passion, the good, the good vibes, the comments I get. I get emails from, from fans and, 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 you know, sponsors even and ticket holders like showing empathy for us, for our situation, you know, that we couldn't play and we have no revenue that, that touches me so much because everybody's so busy that they take the time to think of me. It's just normal that then we take the time to think of what makes us great. And what makes us great is our fans, you know, at the end of the day. If we play in front of an empty stadium, we're not happy. And, you know, we need to build that up also. That's so, true. So taking care of, of our people, um, of our fans, is exactly, is exactly what we need to do. In my first speech with the team, I said, I come from a world where we have listeners. Uh, we have viewers, you know, a little bit. You know, they are fans in a way, but they're not diehard fans. Right. It's so fun to work in an environment where you literally have die-hard fans, people who are just using that word, that love your team, love your logo, love what you put on the field, love the entertainment that you bring, the three hours that they spend with us, that they have a good time. I mean, that's, it's, it's so fulfilling. I mean, you have to respect that and you have to honor that. For sure. Cliff. Okay, Mario, with 2019 being such an incredible season for the Alouettes, despite all the stuff that was going on off the field, uh, now with new ownership in place, with yourself in place and Danny Machocha in place, there is a sense that maybe now things are going in the right direction. And then with COVID hitting, everything just sort of stopped in its tracks. What were the what were some of the goals that you had in mind personally as far as being president for 2020? Had everything gone to plan? Like, had we played the season like we were supposed to in just sum up for us what your idea was as far as being president for 2020 in the Alouettes was supposed to go. Well, uh, absolutely a uh, improvement on our on our record, making sure that we support Kahari. So you know, if I, we wanted no less than I know Gary kept saying you know 18 and 0, uh, that's <laughs> always the goal for every team. But ultimately, to improve on our record and get, I believe we had the team to go to 12, 13, 14 victories. Uh, absolutely, to give everybody else in the league a run. So we were legitimate con, 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 contenders in terms of, uh, of, of the cup we would have been in 2020. Uh, supporting Kahari, everything on the field was extremely important. Giving him the team that he wanted around him uh, would have been his second year, of course. You know, And uh, all the promises that he showed and all the energy that he brought to the stadium and to the Alouettes and the team. I mean, he was the ultimate leader last year in a, 
in a season where, to your point, there was no ownership. It was up and down. Uh, we were hearing so many things in the the, the in the media. Uh, so that was al- always the first goal. Always going to be the first goal. Surround the team with the best players that we can in the context of of you know of free agents and those who want to come here. Um, what you heard this week actually is a great testimony to that. I'm sure you followed the signings we had this week, mm-hmm. um, the week of the week of uh, uh, of December 14, and uh, it was uh, you know uh, to be able to bring back William, to be able to have Vernon uh, rework his contract, to bring Tony in, to bring Eugene in, to make sure that the core stays together. Um, that to me speaks to the leadership of. Of, of people, first of all, guys wanted to play Montreal in front of our crowd, and then obviously uh, speak to the leadership of Kahari and, and uh, Danny and how we respect them and explain the situation, and they get it and they embark. So that was goal number one. And after that, it was all about, you know, getting, to your expression, more butts in the seat, making sure that um, financially uh, we're on the, the, the viable track, and, uh, and we were. You know, at the time, we, we had double-digit growth, High double-digit growth in the um, in season tickets. Uh, we were so much looking forward to single game tickets and group sales and everything that you know uh, the crowd is, is is made of. We we we, I mean, I think we have we sold more merchandise this year, guys, uh, dollar-wise than we did in 2018 without the season. So it gives you a sense, and that all through the web, of course, so it gives you a sense of of how much people are looking forward to football. So all these things we're putting together, we have our offers for our people. I even put a promo code uh, under my name on Facebook. You know, everybody just embarked on on uh, building revenue, you know, at, at the end of the day, which was the objectives. But it starts with winning. It starts with the f- good product on the field. So there was, as you can see, and I can talk for an hour about the, uh, the objectives, but <laughs> those were the main things. Like bringing back, like bring back people focused on two things, a great team. We have our cost base now as a business that is in, in a much better uh, place. And then uh, now we're up to building the revenue all around it. Okay. And working with the league, because all nine teams are obviously feeling this pandemic and also feeling the frustration of not playing. But as you look towards 2021, uh, the commissioner of the league has talked about a lot of things seems to be very contingent on uh, a vaccine for COVID-19. And hopefully if that's in place and it's going to make it easier for the players to play and maybe even have fans in the stands again, how much discussion are you personally having with the league officials as far as trying to ensure that the 2021 season actually does take place? Uh, listen, it's our main, it's our number one prior priority. First of all, I'm, again, I think I said it, you probably heard me say it, but I'm really optimistic at this point. Uh, we have the luxury of, you know, hockey right now is trapped a little bit because they want to start in January in the worst of times. Uh, you know, if you look at what happened in Thanksgiving in the U.S., uh, since then it's been difficult. So people are really afraid, as, as we all know, about Christmas and what's going to come after. In our case, we're down in June. Uh, think, could there be a mix of, of, you know, maybe one or two games with limited fans or maybe even ultimately no fans? But then in the fall, I have to think that, you know, with 50, 50, 55, 60% of the people vaccine where every 
elderly person, every uh, some somebody who's more susceptible uh, to to you know to more uh, to a dangerous fate if they get COVID, and then everybody are our guardian angels as we come to call them who yeah. takes care of us when they're all vaccine and protected as we start with them it's gonna it's gonna be a much better place already uh so yes we are uh, talking a lot about the vaccine and as far as 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 uh, working with the league it's it's i mean it doesn't go first of all we have you know we have regular meetings uh with all the presidents and talking to the league is is a daily or weekly basis at worst, but I mean, it's extremely frequent. We keep each other updated. Uh, lots of scenarios on the table in the sense of, you know, possibilities, but we're really focusing on, on trying to make everything work. And, and everybody's in the same uh, sense of urgency in order to, uh, to make sure that we don't neglect anything, sanitary measures. We're all talking each to our provincial governments uh, as much as we can, uh, as fast as we can. Um, and since I'm, uh, I was in a way very happy that, uh, that Mr. Legault, uh, you know, our, our prime minister spoke with Jeff Molson, uh, no, no, I think this week, um, you know, just, I'm, I'm assuming we'll be, uh, awarded the same curt- courtesy when it comes our turn to look for solutions and same thing with, you know, uh, uh people from the, the, the Grand Prix in Montreal, mm-hmm. people from the, the Rogers Cup. I mean, we all, if the Canadians get that courtesy, I'm assuming that we will all get that courtesy down the road in order to help us out. So if, if, if need be, you know, one of the things we need to, small things we need to think about, for example, is the quarantine. You know, if, if a guy gets hurt and we want to bring a guy from the States on a Tuesday and the game is on a, uh, on a Saturday, you cannot do a quarantine, you know. So we have to find ways that can he be tested before Tested when he comes in, maybe do one, two uh, negative tests within the first uh, 48 hours, and then he can play. These are the things that we'd be looking for with the government to help us out uh, and making sure that without, you know, respecting all the rules. But again, project yourself when 30 or 40 or 50 percent of the population is vaccine, hopefully, uh, and we're in the summer. So we're not talking about next week in our case, which is which is very encouraging to me. Uh, it has the, we talk about players, and, and if that were be the case, and let's say we go we go into the season, uh, and uh, you're only allowed limited amount of players, uh, people in the stands, et cetera, et cetera. But to that point with the players, has the league, as far as you know, has the league looked at a possibility of having maybe a a bubble of t- of extra players that they will allow a team to sign just in case, obviously only for 2021. Um, because well, that situation you said, it might make it easier if they expanded the practice rosters or if they did something like that. I'm just curious to know how open is has the league been to ideas specifically for what ifs for 2021? Well, I think I think this this uh, type of you know innovative or temporary solution to 2021 season. That needs to sometimes does, sometimes does not need to be discussed with the players from a CBA point of view, uh, collective bargaining agreement point, point, point of view. But we will be looking at all these innovative things. But I would say to, to those specifics will come much later. Well, I say much later. I mean, like right. in March and April, yeah. when we have a better idea 
of the situation because those are sort of, uh, I, I would never say easy fixes, but these are decisions to carry more players or not. It's, it's, it's a cost, of course. Uh, you have to pay those guys, so we have to be uh, you know, conscious of, of, of that, but certainly it's something that, that uh, the example that you're given that will be discussed if need be, but we'll see where we are at that point. Um, you know, because it, it, right now there's a lot of things also. One thing we've learned from this fall, uh, from last spring, and I always stress the fact that the CFL, keep in mind, was probably the first uh, league to have not started their activities when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So the others had, had, you know, end of season, so the revenue is in, the sponsorship is in, uh, TV rights are all in. I mean, all of these things were sort of, quote-unquote, uh, paid to the teams, and we were going in. Just look at the NHL right now. Look, the starting is a is a challenge because you're you're literally looking at a very very uh, uh, I don't know uh, you know a deep financial hole. Right. You know, it's, nobody's going to make money in the NHL probably. I would guess next year. Uh, so it, it's tough to go in a situation like that. Um, so we were first in line, and one thing we've learned is that from, from I always say, remember, guys, in March 12th, when, when we were told as, as Quebecers, this will be a two-week holiday, if you remember. Yes. The, the Ministry of, Ed, of Education said to the kids, take it as a two-week vacation. And here we are today, nine months later. Mm-hmm. So the situation was so much changing and evolving between March and April and, and May and June that every time we did a scenario in April, we had to tear it up because things had evolved differently in May and then June. And so, I mean, it was so right now we're a bit more patient and we know what can be decided rapidly. But we won't do 20, you know, it's not wise to do a lot of scenarios before right. uh, the time is right to make the decision. I, I can tell you, Mario, that if it comes to the point where fans are allowed in the stands, uh, no matter how many they are, even, even at a, a small percentage at, at Percival Molson, I know that, and Cliff and I have talked about this, that we will do our parts. If we have to wear masks, we'll wear masks. Because we, as we want to make sure that everybody is able, sooner or later, we'll be able to come back to Percival Molson without masks and be able to be 20,000 strong once again in that stadium. So I know myself and I know other fans yeah. will be willing to do our part uh, if we are allowed in the stadium uh, you know, early in the season. Well, it's, 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 it's appreciated because I'm pretty sure that when we talk to the sanitary measures, we will probably enforce those. We'll find a have a way. I don't know if it's a mask or it's a, a one of those uh, visors, mm-hmm. you know, because I want you to, to have a good time eating your hot dog also. <laughs> uh, so the, there's all these things that we need to think about, you know, like we, we are thinking about having a, a, a service to the to your seat so you don't have to get up. So we, we minimize the contact between people getting up. Uh, we even have some ideas to... to uh, that you can order, you know, your food like two days before the game. Okay. Online uh, with your seat number and give us an approximate time of when you want it. You know, the game starts at 1, you want it at 1, you want it at one thirty. you want it at 2, and we'll try to make it work. So all these things we're exploring 
to, uh, again, thinking of the fans and making the life a little bit easier. I like that because I know Cliff and I had, you know, we talked to some of the players before and talked to some other people that we had known. And, you know, they were like, well, we really don't know what the team's going to be doing. But it's glad to hear from you, Mario, to give us some ideas that it, the, the team is making plans just in case. That That's the main thing. And I hope fans, yeah. uh, when fans hear this type of information from you, that it, it hopefully it will ease any concerns that they may have once the season, uh, you know, get, gets going. So, um, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we will try to make it as comfortable as we can, given the situation that we are in. Absolutely. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and we'll try to get away from COVID. We can't really get away from COVID, but I want to ask Steve, try to get you some, some positive talk here about, about the team itself. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, you came in last year. You know, the, Montreal really does not ha- technically have uh, any traditions. And when you came in um, last year, the the schedule had already been announced. And finally, Thanksgiving was back on the schedule after a hiatus of one year. To you, working yeah. as much as you have in the, in the different you know the you know, different industries. How important? Obviously, it's back again for 2021. Also, Thanksgiving. How important to you it's to finally um, to establish some well-known traditions for Montreal Alouettes football. Oh, um, huge, huge! I mean, the calendar in Montreal, the schedule. I mean, we were a team of uh, literally six people on the call. Mm-hmm. And I was part of every meeting. I was part of every call. Uh, Danny was part of it. Kahari was part of it because we want to make sure the football side is happy. want to make sure the ticketing side is happy. Sponsorship is happy. Uh, we have some specials on Friday night, uh, as you know also. Yep. Um, I, I assume that you're aware. So there is. Uh, we, were, we think of all of that. We think about ri- uh, rivalries. Yep. You know, uh, I, I think, I think a, a Montreal-Ottawa rivalry uh, would be a great thing hopefully as we see in hockey i mean this is the team that's closest to us um ottawa is the site you know is is, is the thing that it, it's easy to make a quebec ottawa fight on every level right so that's something that we're looking forward and thinking about uh but absolutely the games uh you know we are when you saw the schedule we're trying something new this year also to have an opening season the weekend after the grand prix uh, in June, while the kids are still in school, so that that pleases some. Others were not. Uh, it was a bit different, but when we did that in the past, uh, it was a good success. I mean, I got a research background, right? So I, I love data. So uh, and we have a great uh, BI manager in um, with uh, the Alouettes who has can can give us data. So we try to look at the crowds and try to see what makes obviously a bigger crowd makes more people happy so so we're trying out new stuff we'll see but i mean the tradition has got to be there the thanksgiving game was extremely important to us um and uh, we go from there even we we are playing around the uh the weekend of the uh of labor day also which yeah. is in the cfl extremely important also or bye weeks yeah or uh, if you remember 2019 Kahari was not too happy with the bye weeks they were spread out I think we played nine straight. I think we had like three breaks in the first nine games, yeah. and then nine straight games leading into the playoffs, which which was you know unfair from my point of view. I remember one of my first meetings was about that, where I made it clear that that schedule didn't make sense. 
We had, you know, we had opening nights for the past two years on Friday night in the West at nine at nine p.m. You know, for our fans, a Friday night at nine p.m. It's not good for us. It's not good for RDS. So we changed these things a little bit, you know. And uh, so yeah, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. Uh, a lot of people were involved, and I'm pretty happy with the schedule, and it's really important to us. I was, I was actually glad. I think Cliff was too. Is that you guys brought back Saturday games because, I mean, I understand. Thursday night football has become a thing in the CFL. I completely understand that. And I just felt that in years past that the Alouettes were the, were always the default team to be put on to a Thursday night game at home. I'm actually glad with the with the with since Sunday games have been uh, eliminated during the regular season. Yeah. I'm glad to see that they've moved them to Saturdays because I think there seems to be more of a balance because I think Saturday games actually are a good fit. I understand that the Owls are having to juggle with the uh, uh, with the uh, McGill Redbirds for for you know for uh, yeah. for football. I understand that, so it's I, I'm just happy to see that everything's being looked at across the board when it comes to games. As I said, you have the information, right? You might as well go ahead and use it. Yeah, exactly. No, everything is that's all about optimization. You'll never make everybody happy. I mean, we have. You know, some love Thursday night, others love it less. There's some love Saturdays, some love one o'clock, some prefer seven, mm-hmm. sometimes four. Uh, but I think there is a conscious. Um, I think I think the the CFL also uh, realizes that they want you know they want big money. they want Montreal, Toronto, BC to succeed also. Yes. You know, uh, so I'm very happy. This year we only have one game at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, which is great for the people, you that's know, good. away. Uh, you can still, yeah, and I mean, there's Winnipeg that's at 8.30. But other than that, uh, even our BC game, we managed to have it at 4 p.m. down there. Danny, Jahari, we're okay with that. So it plays at 7 in Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's a back-to-back against BC this year. So, I mean, two weeks uh, back-to-back. So that's going to be fun also. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's very, um, again, we have the fan. The, the fan is at the heart of uh, everything that we do. Yeah, Cliff. All right, Mario, with uh, everything that's been going on as far as uh, just getting, trying to get fans excited about football again, trying to remind them just how much fun it was as they go into 2021, uh, has there been talk of any new strategies as far as trying to attract not just more fans into the stadium, if they're allowed to be, but also as far as sponsorship goes? Like in, in addition to working with the current sponsors that you have, like has there been any talk of trying to find any new and exciting sponsors that will really appeal to Alouette's fans? Uh, yes. Uh, interesting. Uh, first of all, I mean, the, the basic efforts of showing off and, you know, literally demonstrating uh, that being associated with the Alouettes is good for one's product. Uh, we started with making sure that our presentations type and what we present as data to our sponsor is is uh, pertinent and uh, what they're looking for. Uh, we've changed a little bit our attitude in terms of making sure that they they we listen to their needs first. It sounds it sounds basic, but sometimes when you race to get money, uh, you forget the principles, and uh, it's not good because it makes for short-term relationships because if it doesn't work, sponsor won't come back. Uh, we are looking forward pretty much to announcing, uh, just before this call, actually, I was emailing with an announcer that we're looking forward to announce if it works out, um, and probably we'll have some good announcement in early January. 
in terms of uh, new sponsors that are joining us, and I hope that's going to get the wheel turning. Uh, new new categories also, things that you will uh, probably have not seen in the stadium. So we have, I mean, tremendous, so proud of the team that what they did uh, over the past four months in engaging and just, um, I'm looking for the English word, but sort of, you know, planting seeds okay. in terms of, you know, people were, were, were not in the mood to what you said a bit earlier, they, they did not know about the marketing budgets back in the summer, and nobody knew a little bit what the fall was going to look like, uh, what's going to be cut or adjusted in the marketing budget, so they have choices to make. Um, but we planted a lot of seeds, believe me, a lot of seeds. And uh, right now, we're starting to reap a little bit. I'll, I'll actually be happy uh, if we can find uh, more advertiser than I anticipated around Christmas time, before Christmas time. And then that's going to get the ball rolling, I'm pretty sure. And as the news get better, uh, the economy starts up a little bit again. Uh, I think that that will help. You know, the, the good thing about the LOS is it's concentrated and we are affordable in the sense that we have 10 games. We don't have 42 games. Mm -hmm. We don't have, uh, you know, uh, so it makes it just by the nature of the game. Uh, you can have a, a pretty darn solid marketing plan with us for something that is affordable, I would say, or more affordable for a bigger number of, uh, of companies. So uh, within, uh, I'd say within the last four months, we probably touch on six or seven categories that were never touched before. And so, so that to me bodes well for the future. Good, good. And also in speaking with uh, previous presidents of this organization, one of the things that they talked about many times was trying to strengthen the Alouettes hold in Quebec itself, like to really establish the fact that this is Quebec's football team. Uh, I, I, again, with everything being put on hold due to COVID, uh, has any of those discussions taken place? Or is that sort of a goal as well as to strengthen this football team's hold in Quebec? Yeah, um, it is. You will see uh, there's a couple of um, clear action items that we have on the table in order to demonstrate that, that uh, hopefully, again, this, uh, you know, we can make it happen. Obviously, it's a, uh, it's a situation where um, COVID can throw a curve in, into that. You cannot go into schools. You cannot do a tour. You cannot uh, do go around different cities. But definitely it's a preoccupation in terms of, uh, I mean that in a good way, in terms of it's always on top of my mind. Uh, we need to solidify, solidify, well, solidify that's, that's it, the, the core. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, you need to, there's so many football fans in this province uh, that we just need to be to be present to uh, reach out, lend an hand, and I'm sure that if we do lend our hand towards the different uh, markets outside of Montreal, they will they will pay us back. I mean, uh, you know, before COVID hit, I was actually planned to do tours of chambers of commerce, for example, in Trois Rivières and Sherbrooke and Victoriaville and you know uh, Quebec City and and obviously do a tour and reintroduce the Alouettes. Um, but, you know, having managed radio station in all of these markets, I can tell you that they can smell phony a hundred miles away. Mm -hmm. uh, so you really have to demonstrate it. It's not, they won't take lip service. You know, you need to make sure that you're there, that the players are there, they're committed, that if you can do a tour here and there, uh, you need to show up. And, uh, and we do, we do in schools. We did last year. 
So we will try to accelerate that. It's not easy uh, because there's so many things that are challenging right now. But that that is certainly uh, that is certainly in the top ten of the things we need to do. All right, fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, I, I I tell you what, like it's it's been a challenging year for Alouettes fans, for CFL fans, for football fans, really uh, across the nation. Uh, just to hear you talk about just these ideas and just it, it gives us hope. It gives us hope that maybe just maybe things can finally turn a corner for 2021 and we can get back to actually seeing football being played, whether we got fans in the stands or not. I think as just as long as we actually get two teams on the field, give them a ball, tell them to play. If we can just get that much done, I think that'll be a huge victory as far as being fans of the sport is, is concerned. Absolutely. I mean, uh, absolutely. It, it is, it is all about that. It's, the fans can rest assured that all of our focus right now, all of our efforts, it's 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 towards that goal. So, and certainly we'll do all our best to make it happen. For sure. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you before we let you go, Mario. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, challenges during this last nine months. Um, we may have not seen it as fans or through the media, but was there something in particular? that you wish that you had done during this time uh, that you wish you had done better on? Because as I said, we didn't have a season. You had so many plans. Was there something that you wish that you had done better even as much as you could have, if, if, if you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? I think I do. I, I, well, we have to go back to how we handle you know, the whole situation. I mean, to me, as a group, I'm not blaming anybody. But as a group, it was a disappointment that we obviously did not play. Right. Um, so when you start analyzing all of those meetings, all of those discussions, I think I did say that I think um, financially it would have been such, a, you know, financially would have been so costly that it could have hurt the years after. Yeah. So I do believe it was the right decision, given the context. But um, I'm sort of, I always feel hurt when I say it was the right decision. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we were discussing every day, we were discussing with Gary. I, I used to have a company that was called DSJ Solutions because mm-hmm. my, my credo was, there's a solution all the time. <laughs> and as I came in, you know, there's always something you can do to impact the outcome of a situation. And we we couldn't in that case. So, that has to resonate uh, yeah. as, a, as a disappointment, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this question, but looking forward, if everything goes according to plan, fans are allowed within Percival Molson for the 2021 season to watch the Owls play at some point. Are you able to tease something that the Owl, that the fans may see at a game this year? You mean as part of the as part of entertainment? Sure, entertainment uh, or well, or uh, fan trips, fan plane, something, anything of that sort. Just just to just to hype up the the season and get fans uh, excited. Uh, probably too early. <laughs> I would I would keep you I would keep you on the edge of your seat on that one. We have a lot of discussions going on. I don't want to, because I don't want to give an example that we might take away because we're, you know, it's sort of when you're in the middle of the brainstorm, yes. you know, you think you have a great idea, but then you have a better one the next day and you keep it going. But 
there is a lot of talk. Uh, I can what I can tell the fans is there is a lot of talk around that. I mean, things that you mentioned, like the fan plane, the 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 the, the train uh, to Ottawa and stuff like that. That's that's always on the table, and right. hopefully we can make it work again. Uh, but absolutely, there is there is new things. One one of the things that I can say that is dear to my heart is I want to make sure that every season ticket holder, for example, somewhere during the season has access to the field. I would love for every season older, uh, either two hours before to be my guest, uh, after the game, not, not all at once, of course. You cannot have 4,000 people, especially not in COVID times, but that every season ticket older and hopefully every 10-year-old boy or girl that still lives within us, that when they go to a stadium, they look at the field and all they think about is wanting to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I want this experience to, I want kids and, and, and older kids, 50 year old kids to be able to live that, to be able to maybe, you know, meet a player or two an hour after a game or two hours before, certainly shake uh, Danny's hand and, and Kahari and, and if they're interested, anybody, I'll be, you know, like, you know, I'll be able, I'll, I would want to meet everybody. I mean, my own personal objective is I didn't, I, I'm selling, you know, the president used to have a box and I'm, I put that box is for sale for whoever wants it because I want to be with the fans. I want to shake the hands of everybody that I can meet and, and thank them personally because that's, that's where it's going to start next year and making sure that our fans, again, are, are uh, feel appreciated. And uh, I want to make sure of that on a personal basis. So, so that's something that I want to make sure that a lot of people already did, but not everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to make sure that that experience is at least shared. And, you know, sometimes a ticket holder can bring uh, you know, a, a new person to the stadium or a different kid to the stadium, a nephew, a niece, and and uh, share that experience. So that's that's something. Yeah. And is there? Because I remember there was a plan before, and and uh, I'm hoping this is the case. What in 2021 wasn't this team originally going to uh, had planned on what what cliff what anniversary was it, Cliff? It was the 75th. Yeah. 75. Yeah. 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 Is the is the team still planning on on having uh, that celebration? Hopefully, uh, well, well, we will probably underline it. Okay, but clearly because of COVID right. and the situation, right. uh, we will have things that will come up. But uh, let's say that we'll have a bigger party when we turn eighty years old. There you go. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And hopefully, hopefully, um, uh, eighty years old. That would be two thousand twenty-six. And hopefully that's uh, around that time that we will have the great cup back in Montreal. Crossing my fingers on that one. That would be nice. When, when the stadium, uh, yeah, when they, cause they, they do, uh, they need to do reparations on the stadium. So we're not able to, uh, you know, bid for it yeah. in the short term, but around 2025, 2026, we'll be able to bid for it. Maybe 2024 if we're, if we're lucky. So hopefully that's, uh, that's a year when uh, the whole celebration and hopefully what our team in the game uh, happens in Montreal. Yeah, we need we need that party here again. We really do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been too 100%. long. 100%. 2008. Yeah. It's been too long. It's been too Absolutely. long. Absolutely. Cliff, take us Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Mario, I can't tell you just how excited we are to talk with you and to share some of these thoughts and ideas and just to help get ready for 2021 because I think – I think I speak for all of us when I say like we're ready to just put 
2020 in the rearview mirror and just focus on the positive. Focus on something new in 2021 and hopefully getting this football team back on the field, getting fans back in Percival Molson Stadium and just knowing that you're you're working behind the scenes and doing everything you can to help bring that experience back to the city of Montreal. Uh, I, I, we can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing for the team and with the team. And if you could just give the fans that are listening just some sort of message of hope, something that says, you know what, in 2021, we are doing everything we can to make this happen. But just just give some give the fans something to look forward to, especially really especially as far as 2021 goes. Well, I can tell you that I think you you've said a lot of key words in there, uh, Clifford. There is there is all about it's. I've never worked longer hours than I did in the past four or five months, and I have a lot of faults, but I've, I've always been a hard worker. So that uh, these past months have been incredibly busy. Um, I just feel I would encourage every fan to read and listen to what William Standback, Vernon Adams, Gino Lewis, Tony Washington, Bidar, Christian Matt, everything they said this week um, that illustrates how much they want to play in Montreal and how much their heart is in Montreal. And William, the first one, mentions the crowd, mentions the team, mentions how welcome he is here. All we need to do is build that back. Uh, we're working behind the scenes. Our part is to make it happen. And the part of every fan is to be there to support us and, uh, you know, go crazy and have fun at games. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And we will make sure that the experience within the stadium is safe. Uh, sanitary measures, if need be, will be in place. And new services will, you know, the one thing, it's, we'll always try to make the best comfort we can within the stadium that we have uh, and enhance the romantic aspect of that stadium. And we'll try to light it up. And that's, that's what we're going to do in the, coming, uh, in the coming season, hopefully. And we want to thank Mario, obviously, for coming on the show, Cliff. Uh, considering the, the amount of time that he gave us a talk, uh, it was really appreciated. Uh, first time that we've actually spoken with him on the pod. Uh, he did give us some pretty good insight into his career and uh, hopefully what's to come for the Alouettes in 2021. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely appreciated for him to take some time out of his evening to spend talking with us and essentially talking with you, the fans, as well, because I think it's important for him to relate just to, you know, how how important it is to talk about what's happened in 2020 as well as what to look forward to in 2021. And I tell you what, folks, like there's a lot to be excited about when you really, truly think about it. I mean, I think what it comes down to is we don't know what's going to happen in 2021 as far as the CFL goes, whether they're really putting all their eggs in the COVID vaccine basket or not. But at least if nothing else, we can take solace in knowing that the Alouettes are doing everything they can to be ready for 2021. So if that doesn't get your juices flowing, folks, I honestly don't know what will. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... I, again, we hope to have him on again, uh, obviously in different circumstances, give, give a little bit some more information. But um, I, I think it's a, a perfect interview for the uh, for the season five finale. So it, I think it worked quite well. And uh, uh, again, thanks to him for, for joining us. Um, Absolutely. The the thing that I think that we want to talk about now just to finish up the show is, um, you know, the free agency lists were announced by the league and, by, and for every team. And it, it was kind of scary. Uh, I know you and I had talked about it a little bit uh, when the lists actually came out. And, and 
uh, I think was it that the Alouettes were the had the team that had the most free agents. I think it was by one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that were available in the CFL. Yep, uh, one or two, if I'm not. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was definitely the most. Anyways, like there was definitely a lot of holes to fill, if you will, or at least a lot of question marks left. By okay, are we able to retain a lot of these guys or any of them, or what's what's going to happen? Because this is this is a big list right here. So there was definitely a lot of question marks as to whether Danny Machocho was able to convince all of these guys to stay on board or any of these guys to stay on board. So I mean, the, he he definitely had his work cut out for him. So. Uh, you know, as soon as the uh, the the 2021 uh, offseason officially opened for open for business, uh, it was time for him to get to work. And we were just curious to see who all he was going to get signed. Exactly. And considering that you know, the whole rumors of, uh, you know, it looks like the the CFL is is hinting at or suggesting or whatever you <laughs> they're pushing them to the edge of, you know, when it comes to we want you guys to. Only, you know, we love you to sign at the salary cap floor rather than go up to the max. And I know that was quite a, uh, a thing of contention when it came to, uh, I think, the PA and when it came to, you know, how fans were thinking about this. But, you know, people need to remember that it is available. You know, you, you see some of these teams uh, in sports today and they only spent, you know, like Beanball in Oakland and stuff like that. Um, or sorry, Moneyball. Sorry, Moneyball Money in ball. Oakland. Um, it's, it's available. If you can do it, if you can win, then by all means, but I, I kind of understand why it was suggested because of what's coming up. And I think, uh, you know, Mario made a couple of good points when it came, there was no money, there's no money, you know, coming into these teams. It's all up to the owners and stuff like that. But, um, it, it's, it will be interesting to see who stays and how some of these players will be able to hopefully be able to come back to the Owls because, um, you know, money is a thing, but I also think that the Alouettes do have an upper hand when it comes to retaining a lot of these players, Cliff, just because of the coaching staff that we have coming back for the Alouettes and, and a coach, uh, head coach, Coach Gahari. Yeah. And I think also, too, uh, like, there was also that sort of pressure, if you will, of you signed a lot of these players in 2020, thinking that they'd be part of the 2020 season, which never took place. Now, all of a sudden, they become free agents again. And now you're left wondering, like, did we just sign someone that may never they, they would they would be an alouette in in name only like they'd never actually wear the uniform or actually be considered a true alouette like this was another thing that uh, was under consideration as well yeah that that's true and obviously if you see their their player card in 2021 you'll you'll you'd never know it right <laughs> right <laughs> I, I don't think you know just say 2021 say or we'll skip 20 uh, 20 altogether and it was just but uh, of the list itself cliff because I know we're about to talk about the most recent signings um, that have come across over the past couple of days. Who who do you think was the most important name to get back on this club? I think, uh, honestly, I look at names like uh, Eugene Lewis and B.J. Cunningham, got, like real core guys for this team, like guys that worked extremely well with Vernon Adams on the offense and to me, that those are the kind of guys that you you definitely want. Like you want to maintain as much of your nucleus as possible. I mean, there's always you know a lot of question marks surrounding anytime you add new players to the mix. And guys like uh, Junior Luke, David Menard, uh, Naaman Roosevelt, like those were interesting, ex- even exciting names to be adding to the Alouettes in 2020. But the fact that they never actually played for the Alouettes and 
once again became free agents again. Like that too was a, a bit of a question mark. But yeah. I think as far as maintaining your core guys, like the guys that were there in the locker room in 2019, the ones that know everything that that that, that basically happened for the Alouettes and just that that sort of resurgence, that rebirth of football in Montreal, that that excitement level again. I think it was, as far as I'm concerned, it's crucial to maintain those guys, guys that Vernon works with and has chemistry with, and you know that they're going to make exciting plays happen. So to me, like those are the those are two of the many crucial guys that I felt the Alouettes had to retain going into 2021. And obviously, we want to get a lot of these guys under contract before the actual free agency period begins, which is in February 2021. Um, so it'll be, you know, I think. You know, with the with schedule being released and now we're able to stay in the you know where the CFL obviously will stay on the lips of fans because you know as we're saying many teams are making many many signings and and you know as we've learned from the Alouettes um, it's you know 2021 has already started so it's and obviously it, it starts with names that may not necessarily be on the free agency list and and that did happen and it's somebody that we had. Uh, we had already made changes and how to replace this person, but luckily for us, and I, well, I guess for the Alouettes fans, um, before all the free agency signings were announced, we found out that uh, uh, Will Standback will be back in Alouette colors for 2021. Oh yeah, I mean, and this is exciting for any number of reasons. I mean, we already know what William Standback has done in an Alouettes uniform, in and above itself. But what's truly interesting, though, is uh, in 2020, with uh, William Stanback going to the NFL and trying, out his, trying to, to make his way there, the Alouettes had ended up signing James Wilder Jr. to sort of, I don't want to say necessarily replace him, but sort of fill that void that Stanback left when he went to the NFL. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, just before uh, what would have been training camp for the Alouettes, uh, James Wilder decided to take his retirement mm-hmm. with the uncertainty that was going on with the CFL playing in 2020 and COVID and all these other things, Wilder decided not to bother. So this is one of those instances where he was an Alouette in name only. Right. So that left a void. And even though the Alouettes had signed Tyrell Sutton and they also have uh, Shaq Murray Lawrence uh, in the fold as well, like there was still that giant hole. And we were wondering in 2021, what was going to happen with that? Well, wonder no more Alouettes fans because William Stanback is definitely back in the fold. And you got that one-two punch of both Stanback and Sutton in Montreal's backfield with Shaq Murray Lawrence kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. I tell you what, like Vernon Adams has to be licking his chops, just knowing, like not only does he have so many talented receivers to throw to, but he's got some great guys to hand the rock off to as well in the backfield. Whew, boy, that is some exciting stuff. Oh, uh, and I agree. And it's funny that you mentioned about uh, about uh, big play VA. Um, it had been rumored, uh, it, and it was finally announced that he actually did restructure his contract and just so that uh, the team would have a little bit more cap space in order to sign some of these free agents. And I think this just goes to show to, uh, to his demeanor and how much of a leader he actually is for this club, that he wants to make sure that he has the best pieces available for this team so we can make that run. And hopefully make it to the Great Cup in 2021. So it was a, I think, I mean, we've seen it happen before in sports, especially when it comes to the leaders. Um, but it was a very, it was a breath of fresh air considering what, you know, what Alouette's fans have gone over the past couple of years and the, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the, ro- the rotation that we've had at quarterback and stuff like that. So it was nice to see 
uh, our quarterback uh, make this move and uh, uh, restructure his contract. Yeah, you talk about leading by example. Like Vernon gets it. Like he understands. Like if you want to win, you got to have the best pieces in place possible. And if that meant he had to restructure his contract or take a little bit of a haircut as far as his salary goes, he was willing to do it. Like he was willing to work with the team in order to ensure that certain guys would be signed again and make sure that they stay in the mix, make sure that they stay a part of this team. So you talk about he gets it. Like he he really truly gets it and. It just speaks to the kind of character that he is, like not just an incredible player off, on the field, but also an incredible human being off the field. For him to understand and realize that, that, that speaks volumes to him. And once again, folks, if you're not happy that Vernon Adams Jr. is our quarterback, wake the hell up because this is the guy. <laughs> this is the guy. And he's, he's proven it. Like You want to talk about leadership? This, folks, is leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then but from there alone, uh, we were able to find out that one of the big pieces on uh, special teams uh, was, was resigned um, when we had uh, Maria Alford resigned for the Alouettes, along with some others on the on the first day. And this was back on the fifteenth uh, when they signed some of these players. So Alford uh, was one of the first players signed back for the Alouettes for twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, seeing Super Mario back on the field returning kicks for the Alouettes. Oh boy, man, you you talk about excitement! Like this guy lit it up last year for the Montreal Alouettes on special teams, and knowing that he's going to be back there returning those kicks, those punts for for us in 2021, that is that is awesome. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing the Super Mario Brothers theme song being played again after scoring an amazing touchdown. <laughs> Uh, we also had some others signed. We had Cranston. He was re-signed, uh, to the Owls. Um, I'm, I am, I, I should know how to say his name, but I don't. It's, is it Anuha? Uh, yes. Uh, Onuha. I, I know. Should, I believe okay. it is. <laughs> um, some other new names also, uh, Robinson and, uh, is it, I guess, Dormati. I'm guessing. Dormati. I'm guessing. So. Yeah, um, some nice, uh, some nice camp hands there. That's uh, that's always positive. Yeah, that that's true. But obviously, after that, uh, it seemed that you know we were talking before this, like, well, what about some of these others? Because we didn't really hear about these big names, so to speak. But lo and behold, holy crap, man! It it just came. It was all of a sudden raining Al's players, and that's what we love <laughs> to see. Um, Gino Lewis was resigned uh, to, uh, and that I thought that was to only a one year contract. I want to ask your your opinion about that, but also Tony Washington. You know, he, he was also uh, uh, he was hurt last year, but it's good to see that he's coming back. Um, as I said, Vernon Adams with a uh, a slight tweak to his contract. Uh, Matt Schiltz was also re-signed. Um, we also had uh, uh, Rice and Taiwan Glass, uh, but it was sorry Taiwan Glass. Good to see that these guys were were back under center. Uh, you know, Adams Schiltz, the one two right there. Uh, but Washington, especially getting Geno Lewis uh, back out back out on the wide side to have him be able to catch passes from uh, uh, from our quarterbacks. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you, you talk about that chemistry, and it was clear. Like with with Geno leading the Alouettes in receptions in 2019, you could tell right away that the the chemistry is definitely strong between both he and Vernon Adams. So having Geno back in the fold is definitely a key piece. You talk about like a, an absolute must have. It's definitely Eugene Lewis for the Montreal Alouettes at receiver. There's there's no question about that. Any thoughts on him only signing a one-year contract? Uh, I think that's the norm nowadays, really, truly. And let's face it, there's you hear about this all the time. Like You, you want players to sign long-term deals so that they're committed to the city and blah, blah, blah. But then all it takes is the fact that you sign them for too much money and you've got to make those tough 
executive decisions and end up cutting guys like that. So I, I think nowadays, really, truly, like this is kind of the reality of what we're facing right now is I think we're going to see a lot more of these one-year deals or one-year plus an option deals. That's just – that really is truly the way, way things go. Which sucks because if you want to buy a jersey of a player, you, you you're doing it at your own risk because which I almost did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Thank it's you. All well and good we'll to, stand back for coming back. <laughs> there you go. That's a prime example right there. I mean, like it, you know, like you want to support players, you want to you know let them know that you know you you you're, you got their back and everything like that. But and let's face it, like buying a jersey is an investment. Like you know, they're not cheap. So no, no, they're not. You, you you really do this at your own risk and. You know, like, it, but unfortunately, like, really, truly, that's just the way things are in the Canadian Football League, especially like with the, especially with the CBA becoming due pretty soon, and just the complete uncertainty of what's to come. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean that's pretty much the norm nowadays. Is these one-year deals? You just sort of do that, and you're, you know, for a player, you're almost betting on yourself. Like, like, okay, give me one year to show my worth, and I'll prove to you that I am definitely worth what I think I'm worth. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes on the team at that point to reward you thusly. Or if they're not going to, for any number of reasons, surely someone else will will will, will hand out the cash for you. So it's – I think that's really, truly the way things are nowadays. Like that's just the, the business, if you will, of the Canadian Football League. Un- unfortunately, yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the Alouettes also did sign their – um, uh, load up on, on local talent also. Uh, they brought back uh, Philip Gagnon, uh, Christophe Normand, and uh, you were talking about him before, Junior Lake. Uh, so they've all been re-upped for the, for the 2021 season. Yeah, also uh, David, Mar- David Menard is also in that uh, mix as well. So correct. You're talking about four Quebec-born players, four guys that went to uh, university here in, in the Quebec, uh, in the province of Quebec, and these guys are definite ballers. These guys are definite players as far as being able to make stuff happen for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, we already saw what Norman was able to do last year on special teams for the Alouettes. Uh, Philip Gagnon, when he was here, his first go around, unfortunately he was kind of banged up a little bit, so we didn't really get to see his true potential. We talk about a guy that has played pretty well. He played fairly decent for a not-so-great Ottawa Red Blacks team, but uh, for him to come back home, so to speak, is very exciting. And I'm really curious to see what Luke and... Uh, and Menard are going to do for the Alouettes as well because they had pretty solid careers out for the BC Lions. And now to come back home, come back and play, so to speak, for their former head coach in Danny Machocha, even yeah. though he's not really the coach, the idea of him sort of getting the band back together, if you will, with the uh, former Caravans, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see just how well that tra- translates here in Montreal for the Alouettes. I guess we'll find out. I mean, it's, it's as I said, it's just about getting, trying to get this this team to gel again as well as he did in 2019, even though, as, as we know, every year... It's not the same team every year, so it's. Uh, uh, but the biggest uh, drop of players, and I know. But you wait, had, there's more. <laughs> yes, I know you had a. Uh, you had given been given a little bit of a heads up that something big was coming, and sure enough, man, holy crap, man, mm-hmm. uh, it it happened, and it's some of these. You know, some of our fears are finally they are going away, which I'm I'm happy to see, but obviously. Uh, the names that were signed uh, lastly that out of the, the team uh, was uh, Christian Matt, which is a and if you remember seeing Christian and um, Vernon at the end of the game last year, uh, two years ago after the playoffs, that no, showed, last year, huh? Like, well, I guess yeah. I was gonna say not last. Well, yeah, it was. I'm thinking <laughs> last year in terms of twenty. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
the last oh, season gosh. we played. Um, yes, yes. So uh, you can tell that that it's how how important it was to have Christian back, but also, man, to get back Greg Reed, that was scary. Seeing that mm-hmm. it was possible that we were going to lose our all-star, uh, you know, he has made a hell of an impact in the backfield for the Alouettes since he's been here with the team. Um, yeah. Also, you can't, you know, without uh, Antonio Simmons, also De- uh, Dante Absher, uh, Naaman Rezo- Roosevelt, there's a name that we were talking before. Uh, also, the team got back a gentleman who did um, opt out originally uh, when he had the chance of uh, wide receiver rookie Fabian Guerra and also uh, Teo Redding. Uh, they're back under uh, contract with the Owls. Yeah. Uh, to have Antonio Simmons back in the fold is incredible because we saw what he was able to do on the defensive line. And uh, as much as we don't want to think about it, folks, John Bowman may have actually played his last game in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I sincerely hope not. I sincerely hope he has a chance to finish his career the way he wants to. But God forbid we really did see the last of number seven with the Alouettes. Antonio Simmons proved last year that he can be a force on the defensive line. And I'm really excited to know that he'll be back in Alouette's colors for 2021. Uh, Greg Reed, I mean, he's sp- the name speaks for itself. I mean, like we, we know what Greg was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. He showed it and w- we knew he had some, we had something special with this guy. The fact that he was able to turn in an all-star season last year. I mean, the result speaks for itself. I mean, to, and, and let's not forget, let's not forget, he's still a young man. He could still go and pursue that NFL dream if he wanted to, but I think he realized that his best bet is to keep building on his legend, keep building on his stats here in Montreal. And if he's able to turn in another successful season like he did in 2019, as far as I'm concerned, the sky is the limit for this young man. I, I'm really excited knowing that uh, Greg Reed and Antonio Simmons are back in the Montreal defense and. I mean, like these are two, as far as I'm concerned, very crucial pieces to helping Baron Miles become the defensive coordinator we completely expect him to be. For sure. And, and obviously, if you hadn't heard about the Fabian Guerra story, we had him on the podcast earlier this season. Um, head back into our archives and listen to the story. Um, he's he's looking, uh, he, he is a wide receiver that obviously I've been high on uh, since seeing him play in the Arena League um, back in uh, 2018, when was it, 2019. Um so it was. It'll be interesting to see how well he does when it comes to camp, because now these guys, if everything goes according to plan, because we had talked about this before, Cliff, and all these rookies that are coming in, you know, they ne- were never really going to get a shot. Were they going to get a, a, an actual shot when it came to, you know, training camp? But didn't have to worry about it. Now, hopefully, they will get that full shot and showing how good that these players actually are. Mm-hmm. And talking about uh, opportunities and uh, shots being given. Uh, guys like Dante Absher and Naaman Roosevelt, like two guys t- completely on a different spectrum yeah. as far as where they stand, as far as like their careers go. Like Dante is just beginning his career, so to speak, with the Alouettes. Uh, he played very solidly down the stretch for the Alouettes uh, to finish out the regular season. He's one of those guys that I think, given a little more time, a little more seasoning, could really become a force for the Alouettes and in the Canadian Football League. Naaman Roosevelt, the name speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. You know what he did out in Saskatchewan. The guy is a bona fide receiver. In fact, uh, over the past five seasons, his drop rate, 1.9%. Other receivers in the Canadian Football League, their average, 7.8%. Wow. Like, this guy is sure-handed. This guy does not drop the football. The the, the fact that the, the LOS were able to retain his services, even though he's a, you know, 
Okay, he's in his 30s. I, you know, like young 30s, mind you, but still, he's in his 30s. He's a veteran. But you talk about having that veteran presence, someone that can take some of these young guys like Malcolm Carter, Chris Ose, Ose Wusi, and also Dante Abshire. Get these guys under Naaman Roosevelt's learning tree. Let them sit under his learning tree and soak up that knowledge, soak up that experience, and work with guys like that. My God, like you talk about iron sharpens iron. This is very exciting to be able to have someone like that in the mix. Yeah. I, I'm I, I'm excited. I'm excited to have guys like that in the roster. Fabian Guerra, too. Like oh, that's yeah. That's someone else who will benefit greatly from having a Naaman Roosevelt or Eugene Lewis sort of leading them, sort of leading the way to help these guys become better receivers in the Canadian Football League. For sure. And obviously there were a lot of others that we had signed that were on the two-year contracts that uh, that did not um that didn't make the the opt, you know, did not take the option out. So, um yeah, it it was good. It, it was it was it's good to have these have these guys back and and obviously um we will have more names, I'm sure, coming out in the very near future, but uh uh it's begun. It's begun. Oh, yeah. Let's get, in, get, let's get it together, this team, and uh, uh, hopefully we can make this run in 2021. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm very encouraged. And, folks, you should be encouraged, too. Like, the, you can say what you will about Danny Machocha. Like, I know we were a little on the fence as far as how just how effective he could be as general manager for the Alouettes. But I think, for the most part, he understands what happened in 2019. Like, this wasn't a fluke. Like, this is a good core of players. And he's just adding to it. He's just making sure that the core stays in place while adding pieces that he no doubt feels will be complementary to what is currently in place here in Montreal. And it's all about building a winning championship mentality. And I, I, I think Machocha gets that now. I think he understands just what he's got here in Montreal. And all he has to do is just keep it together so that Kahari and the other, coach, the, the other coaches on the coaching staff can help mold these players and help them become successful mm-hmm. in this league. Yeah, and that's sure. that's not that's not too difficult a task. I, I I think the talent is definitely there. You can't hide talent. That's for sure. I I'm really excited to see now what's going to happen in 2021 with this current group, as well as who else could be possibly added to the mix or or retained as well. Because there's still a, a number of players to be signed. That, as far as I'm concerned, the Alouettes should really put pen to paper to. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks uh, and going into free agency start like actual free agency starting in February. Um, to me, I think that's that's going to be key is getting those core elements in place and making sure they stay in place for 2021 and hopefully beyond. And then we'll see what happens uh, come February as far as uh, adding new pieces to the mix. But uh, it's it's exciting, Tim. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen now for 2021 with the Alouettes. Yep. Um, we want to thank everybody, obviously, for joining us for these full five seasons. Uh, we really agree, appreciate you listening to us and hearing us ramble, but uh, it's just a matter of talking about the Alouettes, and that's what we love to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do know, Cliff, that there are multiple places where people can try to find our past episodes in our archive. Where can they do so? Well, folks, the best place to start, especially if you want to listen to previous episodes of the Montreal Alouettes podcast, is uh, over at our website www.alouettesflightdeck.ca uh, you can also subscribe to the flight deck on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher and spotify and if you're not already first of all shame on you but if you're not already you can follow the t- follow the alouettes flight deck podcast on our twitter account at alouettes fl deck or you can follow tim and i on twitter as well at cliffy d or at repact by all means uh show us the love uh because we do this for you guys, first and foremost. 
Uh, if you have any questions, any concerns about the show, who you'd like to see on the show, who you'd like us to interview, shoot us a message, whether, you know, whichever account you want to, you know, hit up on, just hit us up. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know where we can improve on if you think we need it. Uh, by all means, like we, we want to interact with you because because at the end of the day, this podcast really, truly is for the fans, not just fans of the Alouettes, but fans for the Canadian Football League as well. So that's that's what we do this for. And we appreciate every single one of us or, or every single one of you I say, that's, <laughs> that participates, that downloads the podcast. What have I told you about podcast, patting yourself everything. on the back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> we deserve this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we will be back in, uh, in 2021 to start, uh, season six of the Alouette's flight deck. We, again, we appreciate everything that you have done for us over these past five years. Uh, same thing for you, Cliff, uh, wouldn't have been able to do the show, uh, if it hadn't, if you hadn't been around, uh, we do hope that everybody stays safe, uh, do what you need to do in order to, uh, to break this curve and let's get us back to normal so we can all be uh, in Percival Molson in 2021. Um, so uh, we wish everybody a happy holidays, happy new year, uh, stay safe again, and uh, we'll speak with you soon. Um, so for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.